Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Thank you for listening to this Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. Now, before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank Footman James for sponsoring Last Blast. As you know, at The Intercooler, we only partner with like-minded organisations, with companies that we think really understand what it means to be a car enthusiast. Footman James fit into that perfectly. I know this because when talking to them before making this recording, they said to me, please don't talk about car insurance, which I think says a lot. So instead, I'm just going to give you a couple of reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. Coffee and chrome, for one thing. That's Footman James' regular car meet. It's free to attend once you're registered. And it's where hundreds, if not a thousand, car enthusiasts get together with their classics to enjoy and share their passion for cars. Footman James also publishes its indicator report. It's a thorough analysis and a detailed report into the state of classic car ownership in this country. The point is to promote and safeguard the future of classic cars in the UK. So there you go. Two good reasons why Footman James is different to other car insurance companies. So thank you, Footman James. Go and visit footmanjames.co.uk. Hi, everybody. Thanks for downloading this 15-minute extract from our Last Blast podcast with Sir Chris Hoy. This is a 15-minute sample from the full interview, which is over an hour long. Um, we're making this chunk of the podcast freely available to the main podcast audience. But if you want to listen to the full thing... You're going to have to subscribe to The Intercooler if you aren't already and head to The Intercooler app or The Intercooler website, the-intercooler.com, where you will find the full thing. Um, I really think that if you're not subscribed already, you're going to want to, to listen to this podcast in full and to the subsequent Last Blast interviews as well. Uh, they're brilliant conversations with some great guests. Um, so enjoy this free sample if you like it. Maybe now is the time to subscribe to The Intercooler. You're listening to The Last Blast podcast by The Intercooler. So one of the things we're here to do today is to talk about your favourite cars. Um, and we're going to try and get through six of them. So what's, what's the first one? Um, favourite cars of all time that yeah. I've driven or, um, this is going to be heavily race car that's fine um, weighted I'm afraid um, first one would be the car that I drove the first LMP2 car that I drove it was a Greaves Motorsport yeah. Gibson LMP2 2015 
it was at the end of my first season racing in European Le Mans series and this was with a view towards driving this car in Le Mans at the 24 hour race the yeah. following year and this car had won the LMP2 category at Le Mans it was it had you know considerable success yeah. um, and it was about the third or fourth year it had been running and Greaves Motorsport a serious team and it was uh, we, we dashed out to Estoril we got stuck in there was storms and various things, different airports, eventually got there for the second half of the day and yeah. it was wet, but I'll never forget driving it. And just even in tricky conditions, how friendly a car it was yeah. and how exciting it was. It was just to me like the, it was the best race car I've ever driven. And, and also with the prospect of this could be the car that you race the, the 24 hours of Le Mans in, it was just a really special day and a special car. Um, it was an open top cockpit one, not one of the closed ones that they have now. So the visibility was was great. It, the balance, everything about it, the setup was just it was perfect. And um, that that is the best race car that I've experienced so far. Okay, so let's just wind the clock back a little bit. So I'm guessing when you were a kid, you weren't sitting there like I think most of us thinking all I want to be in life is a racing driver, or, or were you? Well, I, I, before I really got obsessed with bikes. Cars, toy cars, ski electrics, yeah. that was my thing. You know, okay. I, had, I had a 24 hours of Le Mans ski electric set with the, the Porsche 911s with the headlights that came on, the gold and the silver oh, ones. Wow. And that was the first time I became aware of Le Mans. And that, you know, just, it wasn't even, even on your radar the thought that you could even do that. You know, I think other sports seem more accessible, yeah. but I was interested in it and aware of it. Um, and I loved cars, but I never, never thought motorsport would be a even a thing to aspire to. It no. just seems so far off the radar. Yeah. So were you always equally into cycling? Well, I, I watched the film E.T. and saw a BMX bike. When Is that I was, where it came when from? I was, yeah, when I was six or seven and I'd never seen a BMX before and it was just a totally different way to use a bike. You yeah. know, like over, going over jumps and carving through the bank berms and stuff and it was just, I want to do that. Um, but yeah I, I guess you, you, as a child or when, you're, when you're young it can just be one sudden thing one moment one, one experience that you just go that's it that's what I'm interested in and did you know or did someone tell you pretty early on that you had a special capacity ability no, for doing this no absolutely not I was I wasn't one of those kids that you would have picked out in, in the team or in your class or whatever that, that would have been he's going to be a champion in the future yeah. Because there were, there were, you know, in every sports team I ever took part in, there was always one person that you thought would play for their country or yeah. would, you know, make it to a professional level. And I wasn't one of those people. And it was, um, but I was good at sport, but I wasn't great. And I think that I, the, the key thing that I learned was the correlation between hard work and success. And, yeah. you know, even at a young age, it was, I knew that if I wanted to make the team, I had to work hard. I knew if I, you know, I was the kicker for our rugby team and, and I, I used to practice for for hours. I would you know I would stay after training on, and I'd, I'd kick a hundred balls and I would go into the park when I didn't have to on my own and just just practice my kicking. And so is is that something that is kind of like innate to you? Is that just part of the makeup of your character, or is that just something that you recognise you needed to do? I don't know. I think I think at the heart of it is enjoyment. You've got to you've yeah. got to love what you do. You know, you work harder at things that you enjoy. So I knew that working hard at school would get me good grades and then you know you get to university and you get a good job and this is drummed into you from you know the age of whatever but I didn't mean to say I worked hard at school because I didn't love I wasn't driven to 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 work hard because I didn't enjoy well I I did enjoy some of the subjects but I wasn't 
massively motivated to do that but when you find someone you love yeah. then you will do it until you're absolutely exhausted you'll kick a thousand balls you'll, yeah. you'll ride on your bike until you're exhausted you'll, you'll go the extra mile so I, I, I think I realised I wasn't one of those kids that would just pick up a ball and score goals or be amazing at rugby or, yeah. but I was good but I wasn't you know exceptional so when did you decide to make cycling your, your life? Um, very late on, because it was never going to be a viable career option. There was no... The British Cycling Federation was... was there were two full-time members of staff, and that was it, you know, back in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. I rode my first... Um, I represented GB for the first time in 1996 in Manchester at the World Championships. And for that race, you race on your own bike, but they, they loan you these wheels, race wheels... And you get you get loaned a tracksuit top for the week, so you sign out this tracksuit, this grubby old second hand. What would you have to get back again? You have to get back at the end, <laughs> and you get given two race suits for yeah. the for the season. And if you crash and you put a hole in it, then you've got one. You know that was just the way it was. So um, you think I, you know? I used to bore the pants off my old, my young teammates back in the day when you would tell them about the old stories of you know what it used to be like when there was it was very very amateurish. Um, but I'm glad that I had that experience because then you appreciate when, when you do get the support and you do get the equipment and you do get, you know, I remember the first race I turned up and the mechanic had assembled my bike for me because you travel with your bike in a bike box and you, yeah. you put it together and you always do that yourself. And then the first yeah. race when someone did it for yeah. you, you turned up and it's there and it's got the warm up gear on it already and everything, the tires are pumped up and you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. So, so you appreciate it. I think if you've, and, and that's nothing against this modern or the, the, the you know the younger generation of, of riders because it's it's all they've ever known. But I appreciated what I had. I did it because I loved it, and then it became a career later on. So I was probably twenty twenty four before I thought this is this is something that I could actually. And I'm guessing that's world. quite old for people Very in old. that sport. There's a lot of folk retiring. Makes me wonder how much more you could have won if you decided. Well, I think I think it, it elongated my career because I I didn't burn out at a young age. I wasn't there, yeah. there wasn't as much pressure. Like the younger riders now have huge pressure to perform immediately straight out of the box you know you're 19 years of age if you're representing GB you're going to have to perform otherwise someone else will come and take your place so yeah. in the early years there just wasn't that competition or expectation all you had to be was the best in the country and you got the jersey and you got to compete at all so, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah it's you know it's but yeah I, I learned from a young age that if you work hard you'll improve and, and you know and I was competitive I was the kind of kid that had to win at Monopoly with my sister and yeah. whatever it was I, I wanted to win so I was driven but I think that's I don't know if that was just I think that's just who I am and did you, you know, right the way through your career because I, I can't even begin to imagine the sacrifices you must have had to make to do all that you did did you always love it or were there times when you just thought I just can't be done with this it's just too much Other, than I mean it, you, you can gloss over the bits the, the tough bits and the bits where you want to quit and the bits where you're not enjoying it and the the fact that every day you wake up and get out of bed and your body aches. You know, it, the, the only time your body doesn't ache is during that last two or three weeks before the Olympics or the World Championships where you start to taper down the volume of training and you're resting up. Yeah. Um, because you're, you're always training so hard that your body is kind of suppressed. It's in that, just that fine line between being overtrained and being um, undertrained. So you're, you only improve if you keep creating a stimulus that the body has to adapt to yeah. so you have to push all the time it's not about that one day every four years it's about a wet Wednesday afternoon yeah. when nobody's there to cheer exactly. you on and watch you yeah. you, get the, you get the grind done you've got you to be self-motivated you don't have to have a coach standing over you shouting at you telling you what to do yeah. that comes from within that voice is within 
Um, but, but at the core of it, it's, it's because you love it. So you don't love every moment. You don't love the pain you go through in every training session. But you, I love the feeling at the end of the day, yeah. knowing that I'd truly done everything I could that day to improve and to, to take a step closer to that goal. And yeah, some of the most satisfying feelings when you've you finished a training session, you're on your way home and you've done a personal best in the gym or for a peak power output for in, in training, something that means nothing really, but to you, you know, you've, you've taken that, you've, you've raised you, the bar you a little bit that. personally yeah. and, and nobody saw it, nobody knew about it apart from your coach and your teammates. But it's, it's a really, you, you have that feeling of optimism and you think, you know, this, this could be on, this could be a, a good season. And did you always know when you were going to stop? I, I kind of, I, so the, I stopped in 2013 um, after London. So London was the big carrot that kept me going. I was 36 in London, which is ancient, for, yeah. you know, a track sprinter. Um, and it was, it was a tough couple of years leading up to London because my body was just breaking down basically it was it wasn't handling the, the training the recovery was a real challenge and but did you still feel that you were able to maintain that level you were as good as you'd I, ever be one-off efforts yeah so i could i could still see the data and it was very data driven yeah you know, it's not like a i think if you play a team sport if you play football you you, you can sort of think well do you know what as long as you can produce a bit of magic three or four times in the match then you can you can carry yourself through it but there's nowhere to hide yeah you know when it's just you and the track and the stopwatch so um I could hit the numbers and I was still at my best but what I wasn't at my best for was doing repeated efforts doing race after race five days in a row of racing and I think that's partly why they only picked me for the, the Kieran and not the sprint yeah. so I did one individual event and the team event yeah. so the team event was in the first day yeah. three days recovery and then the final day was the, the Kieran so it worked worked perfectly but yeah there was the option to try and continue on for two more years to 2014 for the, the Commonwealth Games were in Glasgow and that would have been and I seem to like remember a, you a talking double, about that, I mean, yeah. that was, you did talk about doing that didn't I did. you well it would have been I mean it's a bit greedy but it would have been amazing to have two home games yeah. and to finish your career off but I realised I got back into training and it was just my, my heart wasn't in it my body was just wasn't really up to the up to the challenge and I thought do you know what there's, there's more to life and it was it was nice to be able to, to retire at the point when you choose so it's always that feeling of one more one more race like boxers one more fight yeah and then you look back and you think, oh, it would have been nice to finish with that, that memory of the, the, the greatest moment in your career as your last big race. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was tough. But it, your life changes and, you know, I became a father and, you know, you have a whole different perspective when that happens. I'd focused on one thing to the nth degree for so many years. Now was the chance to have a bit of balance in my life and, and a bit yeah. of variety. And motorsport was part of that. So motorsport gave me that, you know, I, I think a lot of people struggle when they've finished being super competitive and they've been at the top of their game. You need to have an outlet for that energy, or I yeah. certainly do. And motorsport filled that gap. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a, it is a tough time when you retire, when you've been doing one thing for so long. And also, normally retirement happens when you're getting to your 60s and, yeah. you know, you're, you're, and you face your mortality then. I think, you know, when you're, when you're getting a bit older and you start realising you're looking back and looking forward, but we're doing that in your 30s. It's quite a strange feeling, so you try and find new challenges. Let's get another car in quickly. Yeah, yeah, sorry, enough bikes. <laughs> no, no, we're going to go back. We're gonna, we, we need to talk about London 2012 another just car. for a minute, but um, let's just um, drop another car in before. Do you know what? The favourite car that I've ever owned, and I've still got it, and I can't see myself selling it unless I have to at some stage, um, a 911 GT3 RS 991, second gen, Visac pack. Wow. Um, magnesium wheels, you know, the full shebang, and it's... 
it's set up, it's got the Mantai. You've got the Yeah, it's got the KW suspension. So I've got oh, that done wow. pretty okay. much straight off the back. So it's got this, it's not got the aero package, but it's got the suspension. Yeah. It's got this, the surface transform um, ceramic discs on it, yeah. um, brake lines. Um, what else have we done? The JCR exhaust on the back. Um, it's, I've done it exactly how I like it, and, and I use it as a track day car. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's way, way too much for a regular track day car. You don't need that kind of performance. But it's the closest thing that I find. What I love about it is that you could drive to Spa, do a track day and drive home, mm-hmm. and it'll do everything yeah. to an amazing level. Um, in fact, I drove a GT2 RS, that it was a um, Porsche GB's own one, yeah. to Spa, did the GT2 RS Club Sport race, the first ever GT2 RS Club Sport race um, a couple of years ago in Spa against all the other GT2 RSs yeah. and the 935 um, oh, of course, one. Yeah, and that and, and drove there and back in, in this GT2 RS and it was it was the most incredible demonstration of what the 911 platform can do. It's extraordinary, um, isn't it? And it's such a cliche, and everybody raves about them. And before, and it put me off them for so long. I resisted the urge to drive yeah. the modern because 911. People have made me banging GT, on about yeah, them for and, it, and then you get, and you go. It's like the first corner. You kind of go, oh, I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So that is my dream car, um, and I and I, you've already I use got it. it. I've already got it. I've done about 11,000 miles. You're not precious about the miles. Just no, I drive it. it all year round. You know, it's a track day a couple of, couple of weeks ago yeah. in Snetterton and Donington here as well. So yeah, it's, it's just, it is my dream car and it's, I love what it can do and I love the fact that you can, you can put it along, you know, on the road and take it easy or you can go do your shopping in it or you can set a lap time at, at Spa. 